The Future Works, a podcast for workforce professionals, hosted by me, Melinda Mack. Whether you think your members support you or they're against you, either way, call them all and call them every day because that's what's, I think, going to make a difference here. If we don't get funding for workforce and a stimulus now, this is our last chance this year. We have three weeks, and so like now is the time to have your voices heard. the end of July here at the FutureWorks podcast, and we're about 20 weeks into a global pandemic. Over the last month, as New York has seen a leveling off of cases of COVID-19, regions in the South, Southwest, and hotspots have emerged in Florida and Texas. California, which we all thought had this virus under control, has now surpassed New York to be the leader in the number of positive cases. As you can imagine, this has led to tons of uncertainty, anxiety for the months ahead, especially now as we're all negotiating and trying to figure out what we're gonna do with school reopening. As the virus continues to rage, so have the unemployment numbers across the nation. There are now 30 million people in the US collecting unemployment insurance. That's one out of every five workers. Think about that. One out of every five workers is unemployed. Here in New York, what that means is we've hit 3.2 million UI claims, with 1.5 of those being in New York City alone. And we have 1.2 million people receiving pandemic unemployment assistance, which is slated to end on July 31st. If you'll recall, pandemic unemployment assistance and compensation provide federal unemployment benefits to people normally disqualified from receiving benefits. This means people who are self-employed, people who are gig workers, and also people who have been directly impacted by COVID. So if you had to leave your job to stay home to take care of your kids or homeschool, if you got an immune-compromised parent or child, or if you actually became sick yourself, you had a safety net. It also provided $600 a week additional in compensation for people who are receiving UI. As one of my neighbors said to me recently, it's been an absolute godsend. So if you've been tracking the unemployment numbers, then you know that the labor market has actually seen an uptick. Businesses started to reopen across the Northeast, across the Midwest, and people started and businesses started to bring their workers back. However, we're starting to see a rise in those unemployment insurance applications go up again. And this softening demand from employers, as many now are starting to close up shop because they're starting to see outbreaks again in their region or are having to make some really hard decisions as their paycheck protection funding runs out, I think we're all starting to see and know it means just trouble ahead. So of all of this context, put all of this in context, it really means that the next six to eight months are gonna be a make or break for millions of New Yorkers and Americans. Many people want to go back to work, need to go back to work, but they might not have a job to go back to. As we've shared in previous podcasts, with 42% of New Yorkers holding a high school diploma or less, we've got a lot of work to do to make sure that they have the right skills for the jobs that will build back the economy and are in demand right now. It will be very difficult for you to be someone who works at a restaurant or in a hospitality setting to immediately transition to a job in construction, working in nanotech, working in IT, it's, it costs money. It takes time for people to transition and we, we really need a strategy for how we're gonna do this. And at this point, all of our eyes, all of our focus is pointed to Washington DC, to our nation's capital. 
States and local communities are hemorrhaging cash, and at this point, a significant national stimulus is going to be necessary and is under negotiation, hopefully, as we speak. So what we need to know is what's going to be included. And today I have Stephanie Martinez-Ruckman from the National League of Cities and Katie Spiker from the National Skills Coalition on the Future Pod today. And they're going to break down what's happening in D.C., is workforce in the mix, and really what is the outcome if our advocacy for workforce development is unsuccessful. So with that, I hope you enjoy the show. I'm Director of Government Affairs at National Skills Coalition. I'm Stephanie Martinez-Rechtman. I'm a Legislative Director at the National League of Cities, so I'm one of our federal lobbyists. All right, so because I go to you with all of my questions when it comes to what's happening here in D.C., and also because you're, again, two of my favorite people to talk to, um, what is the tenor in D.C.? We sort of follow along in the news. We sort of see the back and forth with the daily press conference, no daily press conference related to COVID. And now, of course, sort of this, I feel like minute by minute updates on what's happening or not happening related to the stimulus. Um, I don't know, Katie, why don't you start and let us know what, what you're seeing? What's the tenor in terms of what's happening in D.C.? I think minute by minute is exactly right. Um, there are continuing conversations about what is within the scope of the next stimulus package negotiations. Um, and, uh, you know, we've seen that the House released their, the House Dems released their HEROES Act um, uh, that set out their priorities. We're waiting for the Senate Republicans to, to introduce their priority bill. Um, so we know kind of where the four corners of the conversation are gonna be over the next couple of weeks. And really, I think we've got about a month now before there's an absolute drop dead where we've got to get some sort of stimulus package passed. Um, and the immediacy, I think, Folks on the Hill are feeling the, the immediacy um, and recognize that this really is the last opportunity um, until next year to try and get some sort of stimulus agreement passed because once we get through August recess, um, all attention will, will turn to, to the elections and then um, until we get a new Congress uh, next, um, uh, next year, this is really the last opportunity to be doing something. You know, it's so interesting and Stephanie, I'll be interested in your perspective on, of, on this is, you know, if you think about like the political landscape, you typically, if you were a Democrat, wouldn't be in favor of a massive stimulus package during a, a Republican incumbent re-election. And so it's even weird that like even the conversations don't follow your typical tenor in terms of the Democrats really pushing for a huge stimulus and Republicans saying pump the brakes. Um, but I do think it's, I think the what we're seeing in our state, like the exacerbated impact of a closed economy and the state budget has made it so difficult for us to do anything. Like we've been saying to folks, it's not like 2008 where the state still had resources. We were able to quickly deploy. We could go out into the community to provide services. Nobody has money to do this work except for the federal government. So it's just really interesting to sort of hear, like, I don't, I'm not quite sure why the debate is the debate that it is. I don't know, Stephanie, what's your perspective? What's the tenor? What are you hearing from your members in, in the League of Cities? Well, I mean, I think the debate right now is between Senate Republicans and the White House. Um, and I would say Senate Republicans in general. Um, as Katie alluded to, I mean, we were expecting, and Leader McConnell had said that he was going to be releasing his 
his plan, the Senate Republican plan, but really his plan on Tuesday of this week, um, that didn't happen. Um, Senate Republicans had their lunch yesterday where they were supposed to talk through like what's in this bill, what do, what do, what do we need to change, what are we comfortable with as individuals, but like as a caucus, um, you know, the White House was part of that. Um, a part of those negotiations and they came out of there without a bill right so there is no republican bill there's leaked versions of what's in that bill um but it's basically like a false start after three days of meetings between the white house on the hill um and there's and Honestly, I think for cities and for people, that's sort of good and bad news, right? Because that means that there are people within the Republican caucus who are standing up and saying, no, we need to include certain things in the bill. And what is everyone comfortable with? What ultimately is the bill that the president's going to sign? And I think that's like what they're trying to figure out and sort of where do their cards lay? Um, because um, as we know, this is an election year. Um, there are a number of Republican senators who are up for re-election. There are a number of senators, period, who are up for re-election and people, um, sort of need to figure out where they're comfortable um, and what they're going to do in their own re-election campaign. So it's a sticky wicket. And I think um, our job as advocates is to make sure they understand what's happening in our communities so that, you know, they're held accountable for whatever decisions they ultimately do make. So I'm, I want to sort of dig a little bit more into some of the big ticket items that are either influencing some of the decision-making or conversations, but also like where where's the workforce items or where aren't the workforce items, right? I think, you know, when we hear the conversations in the news, a couple of things that keep coming up are obviously the $600 of the pandemic unemployment compensation, that's that weekly benefit um, is ending uh, January or January, July 31st. My God, I can you imagine if it was January and we're still talking about this, um, July 31st. Um, and in our state, that really meant that the sort of the benefit week that that ends the 26th, like people are going to be getting their last check. Um, but also now this huge de raging debate around childcare, as well as whether or not schools are going to reopen before we even started this, the three of us were chatting about what's going to happen for our kids around school. Um, it's, we sort of hear that dominating in the conversation, but ultimately we're not actually talking about the fact that many people aren't going to have a job to go back to. And so, I don't know, Katie, from the National Skills Coalition's perspective, um, what are sort of the things dominating the conversation and what do we need them to shift to so that the workforce component is loud and clear? Trying to decide whether to start on the negative or the positive. Um, I mean, I think the, the foundation of where workforce is in the conversations right now is that it is not it is not one of the top issues. It is not being talked about at the level that's necessary to ensure that that we see adequate um, uh, workforce investment as part of a next stimulus package. Um, there, there have been a few proposals um, that would include funding for workforce. So we saw um, 2.25 billion for uh, uh, Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act funding from the House Dems. Uh, just this week, Senator Daines introduced a bill that would allocate 3.5 billion in workforce funding, um, largely to uh, training for, for existing workers and incumbent worker training. Um, uh, there have been some conversations from Senate Republicans about including formula dollars uh, for WIOA. Uh, Senate Democrats have a proposal that would invest significantly in childcare and would include a billion dollars for adult ed and current technical education and some partnerships between uh, colleges and industry. Um, so we see champions on the Hill pushing for investments in, in workforce and in skills. Um, but that has not risen up to the to the leadership level. So um, 
we have we've heard rumors that that workforce funding is not going to be included in what McConnell puts out when he puts it out. Um, and and that changes. Uh, Stephanie, I'll be interested to hear if you have an even more recent update because it just seems like it um, it goes back and forth hour to hour about whether uh, whether a proposal for for workforce will be part of that. Um, but the you know kind of the the big message that we're hearing is there's pushback on both sides of the aisle for why we we do or do not need to be funding uh, workforce right now. So um, to some extent, there's a focus from Democrats on making people whole with some of the pandemic unemployment insurance, which is critical. Um, uh, but if we again going back to the my earlier point about if we don't get funding in a work for workforce in a stimulus now, this is our last chance this year. So the, the way that things are going to change in the next six months necessitate investing today. Um, and then there's also um, some pushback on the fact that if jobs in the economy are going to reopen and people are going to get rehired into those jobs, then training is less important, which again ignores the fact that industries are changing drastically, that without the kind of consistent investment that businesses need to help support particularly small and mid-sized businesses, um, their continued employment of people, then people aren't going to have jobs to go back to. And, um, and instead, we should be focusing on how we're helping people use this time to train and upskill and reskill so that when we do reopen the economy, people can enter good family sustaining jobs. Um, and I think that kind of the bottom line is that that, that conversation just isn't happening. Um, and the next few weeks are going to be really critical for advocates and for practitioners to be reaching out to their, their members to ensure that they hear that message. What you're saying, the fact that you're sort of underscoring the, the fact that we're, we're in some ways still like just hoping that things go back without like reflecting on the fact that what we see on the ground, things are not going back to the way they were. Um, and in many instances, especially now as we're you know, really digging into the data and understanding the incredible impacts on people of color and low, in low income and low wage workers, like they really shouldn't go back to the way that they were. Um, but again, that also creates another fire point in terms of the Democrats and Republicans around the type of aid we're providing and who we're providing it to. Um, it's just, for me, it's so difficult as we listen to these negotiations and we think about what our businesses need and they consistently tell us they need talent, but we have no way to provide it to them or what we hear is options that are not aligned with the people who are out of labor market. It's hard because it's very frustrating because you will hear and see the word jobs, but jobs do not equal putting people in them. Um, I know you're going to get to a little bit of like what else is happening that's not stimulus, but it's like, oh, congratulations, we've created all of these extra jobs, which I don't mean to diminish, like extra jobs are really great, provided that you have people that can do those jobs. I mean, for us to sit around and think that the people who are unemployed are gonna all of a sudden show up tomorrow and are gonna be doing um, aeronautics, like, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard. I mean, you sort of see some of that disconnect, you know, in some ways, like it's really great to see Ivanka Trump championing like, helping people understand career ladders, but at the same time, like how are you gonna get people into those jobs and what's the money that puts it there? Like we know we already have an underfunded public workforce system. So then we're gonna add some extra jobs that we're not training people for. So it's like the skills part and not the jobs part. And so, I don't know, I've seen, it's sort of like reading the tea leaves. You know, you see people's like Herrick notes that are coming out of some of these negotiations. In none of the things that I have seen have I seen like skills investment, right? If you talk about any ways that workforce training shows up, it's talking about how are you training workers on the job for social distancing or these other things that are like incredibly important, but that's not like skills training. That's like, how do you work inside this new 
crazy jobs bubble that we all have. And I know they definitely are, like the unemployment insurance conversation is happening. You may have seen some of the scuttlebutt this week. They're saying like, oh, well, oh no, like we're running into this deadline. Do we just do this as a standalone thing to save us? And they're like, no, because if we do this as a standalone thing, what's the incentive for people to come back to the table to do the rest of the bill? And so I know that there's been talks about like extension of the enhanced benefit, but not $600 a week. So some sort of transition period will be like a flat amount of UI for a week. And after that, some sort of new policy that aligns with people's lost income, possibly by multiplying their state benefit, capping it out at 100%. I don't know. They're like negotiating all that now, but I think there will be some sort of UI in it. There will be some sort of paycheck protection program in it. There will be likely some sort of stimulus payment in it, like what it looks like and what they trade off for it is the question. Um, and obviously like the National League of Cities, we're very concerned about like what are state governments and local governments getting out of this, um, you know, like the CARES Act direct funding only went to 38 municipalities directly. So in New York, that's New York City. Um, everyone else um, has to work um, through the state to get that money directly. And in some states, that works. And in some states, it doesn't. And in every place, it's not enough. And so like we know that 30%, 32% of cities indicate they have to furlough or lay off employees. So like 1.5 million jobs lost in the public sector since March. Um, that's a lot of people who are employed like by municipalities. And so like we've been fighting too. So like, yeah, you need to like invest in skills and make sure people are trained to do the jobs. But like also like cities are sort of like that engine of economics, not just because of like businesses depending on a city, but also because people are employed by a city and sort of what does that look like for the larger sort of like economy too. So there's a, and by the way, we're not expecting sort of that state and local money to be necessarily in the first draft um, from Senate leadership either. So I think there's a lot that won't be in the first draft. And the question is like, how do we advocate for what needs to be in that final version? Last question for you guys before I sort of ask really um, what what's at stake here, right? What else outside of the stimulus conversation is on the table right now related to workforce? I mean, we've seen some bubbling up out of infrastructure. Um, Stephanie, you alluded to um, Ivanka Trump's campaign around helping people transition to new jobs. I know that there was an, a task force that the, the president put together at some point. Um, it'd be really helpful to hear, are there other conversations that are happening, help, are happening that are not related to the stimulus that we should just be tracking? I can speak to the infrastructure piece. You know, the House passed the Moving Forward Act, which is like there, which is a framework for comprehensive infrastructure investment. And it, and it has a lot of things in it. It has a lot of really good things in it, including, um, you know, like the Builds Act, which Katie has been sort of the number one champion on. And, you know, we had, you know, the authors of that legislation fight like hell to get that included because it wasn't initially in that bill either. I mean, but the Senate's not going to take up the Moving Forward Act. And so the question is, what, if anything, does the Senate take up? Um, and then what do those two bills look like together? Um, you know, when President Trump came into office, infrastructure was sort of like his top priority. Um, and I still think it is an interesting priority for the administration. The question is like in an election year, where does everything come down? And I think the need for stimulus bills and the need to, you know, pass a defense bill, the need to do FY21 appropriations bills, like there are things that have to be done. So what are the things that want to get done? play into that political mix. And I think that's, 
That's what the big question is. And on Ivanka's piece, yeah, they had a task force. This ad campaign is sort of the big thing out of that, but there's no money attached to it. So I think that's the other part of it too. The, and, and that task force a couple weeks ago, or last month, released their call to action, which included calls for investment in workforce. Um, and I think that, uh, I think that really shows, you know, it's a positive sign that Republicans and Democrats both recognize that the workforce system has an important role to play in this recovery, but the conversation in general is just still talking about such small steps when what we need is an actual giant leap into um, a stimulus and response that would help businesses and workers. Um, the, You know, Katie, when you, what you just said, I think one of the things we've been saying in our state is when it comes down to it, we've been funding workforce development like it's one pilot project after another versus recognizing it's like a structural component to our economy's success. And it's like, Stephanie, as you alluded to, we can, we can build roads, we can build bridges, but you need humans to help you do that still. Like we can certainly get a, a rocket to the moon, but we need people to be able to provide the brain power and the actual technical skills to do it. Um, and so every sort of investment we're making in economic development has to come with a complementary workforce investment. But instead what we do is we decide to scale up, you know, 15,000 jobs in tech in one part of the country, or we, we, we do another pilot innovation project around apprenticeship without actually thinking about this, this larger investment and the impact. So with that being said, I'd love to close with um, you sort of sharing, not sort of a super down in the dumb sort of approach, but I think unfortunately we're at this like precipice here of what could potentially happen. Like what could potentially happen if we don't get this money? Like what could this mean for the workforce system if the resources don't come through the stimulus? The conversations happening right now in the stimulus are gonna be the foundation of what happens for WIOA reauthorization um, for the next coming years. It's gonna be the foundation of what the uh, career and technical education reauthorization looks like when we turn to, to Perkins. It's going to be the foundation of what, um, how we revolutionize and improve on um, uh, uh, adult basic education. This is really setting the foundation for the next generation of, of policy conversations that will happen in DC um, and is setting the, the funding expectations right now. So leaving out workforce funding in the stimulus packages, it's going to make it even more difficult to get sustained funding through authorizations that'll happen in, in future conversations, let alone the actual impact that training can have on right now. Um, we certainly can't train our way out of our current crisis, but it has to be part of the solution so that we can make sure that people can access and succeed in training so that when businesses and communities reopen, people have access to the good jobs with family sustaining wages. And without investments today, um, that's, that's at risk. And frankly, we still have an opportunity to ensure that happens. Um, so I think the timing right now, Melinda, of this conversation is so critical because the folks that are listening can make an impact with your members. Um, and a lot of it is about a numbers game, making sure that every member hears repeatedly about the importance of investing in skills and workforce today um, is what's going to shape not just the stimulus conversation, but policy conversation for the next decade. And what do you think, Steph? What could yeah. be the impact if we don't get this money? I agree. I always agree with Katie. Um, but to say we have three weeks, like period, full stop, three weeks. Um, I would have said two, but three weeks. I mean, the House has said they may not leave if they don't pass a bill, but Leader McConnell will, the Senate will leave 
for some sort of August recess. So we have three weeks. And so like now is the time to have your voices heard. And I think we talked a little bit about this before, this actual official conversation, but it's not just like, what does the workforce board need? What does your community need? It's like, what do your businesses need? And like, there's no better time to like get your business partners to the table to say like, hey, my business is rooted in this community because of the access to skilled workers and like the supports that you're providing my community. And without that, why would we be here? We could be someplace else. And then like, what does that do to your community? So I know like cities think a lot about that. Like what? Why do people live where they live? And what are the resources that you have around them? And like businesses are a key component of that. And I think in this conversation, um, the folks at the table are gonna be moved by a business voice especially. And so it's, you know, as you're calling your members of Congress, make sure that you're doing it as a coalition. And I should also say, don't take for granted in New York that Senator Schumer is always there for you. He is always, he, he, he will likely be there. However, it's really important for every member of Congress to feel like they hear the voice of their constituents because ultimately that's how they feel they have their backup to make the decisions they make. So whether you think your members support you or they're against you, either way, call them all and call them every day because that's what's I think gonna, gonna make a difference here. Or we hope makes a difference well, here. Yeah, right. Well, that with that ladies, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I appreciate it um, and I'm hoping that not only does the, the advocacy that we do in New York make a difference, but this, the national advocacy from our colleagues and partners in other states who are really trying to get to their, their congressional reps um, makes a difference as well. Because I agree with you, I think, again, we're at a precipice here in terms of how our, what the future is of our system, what the future is of how we actually think about getting people educated and trained, um, but ultimately, what could happen to the 30 plus million people who are unemployed. Um, we have some choices to make as a society and as a country, and I'm hoping that we end up making some of the right ones. So with that, thank you ladies, and I appreciate all of your advocacy and work on the Hill. Thank you for joining the Future Works podcast. You can download previous episodes at www.niatep.org.